Hi, and welcome to the Trailside Channel. We are so glad you're joining us. God has a place and a purpose for you, and we hope this message helps you find that and know how much He loves you. Thanks for stopping by and enjoy the message. And so, good morning. Hey, my name is Sean. I got out here a little late, apparently. That's what happens when you uh, don't always watch the uh, sermon bumper video and think you got about 20 more seconds, and then you don't, and your shirt is untucked, and these things happen, folks. It's real life here, right? You guys with me this morning? Are we all right? Great. Three of us are. Awesome. Really excited about that. Well, if you don't know, if it's your first time or your second time, or maybe you came two or three weeks ago and I wasn't here, my name is Sean and I'm the lead pastor here. Um, haven't been here, well, last week I was here, but a few weeks before that, because we had a little baby boy, um, which is awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. It's awesome. Um, sleep is great and I love it and I miss it. And one day I'll have it again. But in the meantime, we're not here to talk about me, we're here to talk about Jesus. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 8. If you don't, uh, we have our app, or you can pull it up on your phone, or if you want to cross your arms and say, I'm not reading anything, that's fine too, we still love you. You're welcome. We're about freedom here at Trailside Church. We want you to have it. So um, we started a new series today called Better Together. Uh, I, I want you to be encouraged by this because what we're going to talk about are some very practical but honest biblical things. Um, we're going to talk about what it actually means to be together because I think a lot of our world right now is separated, is fractured. Uh, I know this might be a shock to some of you guys, so I'll just say it out loud. Uh, it's an election year. That could go poorly. So um, if you are unaware of what that is, no. No. Uh, if you haven't watched the news recently, you know that everyone is really kind to each other, and there's no problems at all. Uh, there's nothing going on in the government that is fracturing our community at all. So um, we want to take a, a couple weeks on the front end of that and talk about what it actually means to be better together, like why that's important. I, I've got news for you. All right, I'm gonna. This is just mind blowing stuff. You guys ready for this? It's incredible. Just I hope you. I'm glad you're sitting down. You can think differently from people and still get along with people. Novel, right? <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. And the way that we're going to bring all of this together is by this marriage retreat, because those of you who are married, I have great news for you. You and your spouse can also get along and disagree about things. Isn't that nuts? A novel thought. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to butter you up. We're going to take you to a beautiful hotel in the mountains of Asheville. We're going to hang out and have a great time. If you're not married, you don't get to come. So find someone single in the church. you got three weeks. <laughs> or you can wait till next year. But I, I want to encourage you <clears throat> because walking through this series and then having that moment with your spouse um, away from kids and away from everything else that can get in the way. I, I, I just want you to know, I think it's valuable to invest into your marriage in that, that limited, small capacity. Um, and, and if you can't afford to go and you, you want to go and you need help, come talk to us. We'll try to figure something out. I'll sell a kidney or something. Um, we'll make it work. But, but we want you there. Your pastors, your leadership here wants you there. It's important. Um, it's going to be a moment, I think, for a lot of our marriages after coming through this series and spending a couple days together, just you guys, to re reinvigorate a lot of what's happening here at this church, um, but more importantly, reinvigorate your marriage and bring you back to the fold. Um, 
So that's my statement on there. Welcome. Uh, today is 02022020. It's the only day of the palindrome you'll ever experience. Let's make today matter, okay? Can we do that? Great. Matthew 8, starting in verse 18. I want to read this and then we'll dive right in this morning. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Uh, introverts, you're already like, that's where I want to be like Jesus the most. Right? Get me away from these people. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And if it's your first time reading the scripture, you know that that always ends well. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Really encouraging statements from our Lord, right? Here's guys who are like, hey, let me be a part of this. I'm all in. And he's like, listen, here's what you need to know. You guys ever had that overzealous friend? Like, it's like you meet them, and the first week, they're the best person in the world. And then by week three, you're like, hey, will you have a separate house to go to? Some of you, yeah. Now, if you're not laughing, you're that friend. Okay? If, that's, if you're like, that's weird. I don't experience that at all. That's it's you. Sorry. We're bringing truth here. Yeah. If, if you're hanging out and your friend starts cleaning things they don't normally clean on Saturday night, you need to leave. That's, that's your cue. Time is up. Because we get really excited about stuff, right? We see things, we're all in, we're excited, we're pumped about it, and then we realize maybe when things get a little tough, we're not that excited. Ever been there before? If you've ever picked up a sports anything for the first time and then faltered and fell down and thought, maybe this isn't my thing, you might also be that person. We have a, I have a friend um, who I love. He's not here, but he'll hear this later, and I'll make fun of him to his face, because I have as well, who um, we play softball. Any, any softball players out there? Anyone else want to relive the glory days with us? Yeah. Has a softball team. And um, he was pumped about playing, told me, like, man, I'm, I'm so good. I played when I was a kid. It was great. And I was like, well, you didn't grow up in Northwood Little League, so I don't know if you know what baseball is. But, man, he was so excited, so pumped. So we got there like, all right, let's have a practice game. We'll just get some people together, hit some balls. And this guy came out. He said, I'm ready to go. It's all right, we're going to throw you some balls. We tossed the ball, and he looked at it. Said, all right, I'm going to give him another shot. Tossed him a ball. He looked at it. Okay, that was a pretty good pitch. Tossed him another ball, and he looked at it. Never took the bat off his shoulder. And so I went up to him, and I was like, hey, man, help me. Um, are, you, are you good? Like, you know, we don't have a lot of time. We got the field for an hour. Uh, if you might know this, a bunch of 30, 40-year-old men were great at planning time and events. So the sun was coming down. I said, are you all right? And he goes, yeah. Um, I, don't, I can't remember if I'm left or right-handed when I swing. <laughs> I was like, these are some things you probably should have figured out, right? Like, when you pick up a bat and you sit in front of the plate, you probably need to know what side you're supposed to stand on in order to play the game. It's not a hard thought. So I looked at him and I said, hey, just, just swing. Wherever it feels comfortable, point the bat at the ball. And he got in and he hit a couple balls. A little dribbler here, a little grounder there. Popped one up to the pitcher and you're like, great, you're getting there, bud. 
And a week later, I went to solidify the team, and he was like, hey, I don't really have time. You know, I've got some things I need to do, some shoelaces I need to reattach. A little crazy. I was like, man, this is the, so this is the, the essential moment of when we dive in a little too quickly, right? Like, maybe soccer is your sport, because then you just got to run around and kick stuff, right? I know. I've got some friends who play soccer collegiately over there. They're a little upset with me. But, but here's the deal. We're really good at not, not figuring out what it's going to cost us before we walk into something. We get really excited, and we're like, hey, I'm all in. And then when things get a little tough, we're like, maybe I'm not as all in as I want. And then we walk away in shame, and that never goes well. And what we have here is this same thing that, that we see with two people who walk up to Jesus, and they see what Jesus is doing. He's so excited, and he's like, man, I'll do whatever you want. I'll follow you wherever you go. And it's interesting, guys. You know what Jesus doesn't do? Jesus doesn't look at him like, no. Now you don't get to come. Sorry. It's a very exclusive club. Uh, you're not a charter member. You haven't paid your dues. Jesus doesn't do that. He instead speaks directly to the insecurity of the people. Walks up and he says, you know what? You'll go anywhere. I don't even have a place to lay down. I don't have a place to sleep. And the next one, he goes, you know what? Like, you, you want to come and follow me, but we, we have mission. We have things to do right now. You don't have time. And, and it's interesting because I think what happens with us when we talk about things like being better together, we talk about the gospel, we talk about community, we talk about walking with people through things that are hard. What we are actually are saying a lot of times is, hey, I'm really excited about this opportunity. And as long as it's not hard, then I'm good. As long as you won't ask things out of me, then I'll be okay. As long as struggle doesn't come, as long as I don't have to be vulnerable, as long as people don't get to know the real me and I can keep this protected picture of me up, then I'm all in. But the problem is, and what we see and what we're going to dive into this morning, guys, is when we have community and we, we walk with Jesus, the only thing that can happen is that Jesus pulls those vulnerabilities and insecurities out of us. And it it's because we do two things really poorly. And the first thing is this. We jump the spiritual gun way too quickly. And that's what we see. I'm going to read these first two verses again, starting in verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you will go. We do that, guys. Listen, we do that. We get really excited about stuff. Like, I'm all in. I love this thing. Does anyone have a friend who has a brand new awesome hobby every three months? Anybody know anyone like that? Yeah, some of y'all do. Some of you guys are elbowing each other. Let's be easy. Marriage retreats in a few weeks. All right, let's get there. Yeah. Like, like a chameleon. Whatever they're into, I'm into, and it's going to be awesome. I have a friend who is a woodworker, he's a pastor, he's a car guru, he's an internet coder, he's a food connoisseur, and he's a dad. And one day he was really tired and we, were, we worked together and he's a great dude. Um, he's actually going to be here in a few weeks, which will be fun. And he looked at me and he was like, I'm really tired. And I said, well, here's an idea. Stop getting 16 hobbies. Like, you're, you're tired because you're throwing, you're stretching yourself so thin, you don't have anything left. 
But he makes some really incredible pens out of wood. Get you one. Now we, we jump in. We want to be the best at everything. And so this guy who's hanging out with Jesus for a little while walks up to him. And he says, hey, um, hey, I'm all in. Uh, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I'm in. I'm down. And Jesus doesn't say no. He looks at him and he says, listen, I don't have a place to lay my head. Animal, foxes have holes. Birds have nests. You need to know that what's going to happen is going to cost you. I don't even know where I'm going to go. Well, Jesus did, but you don't even know where I'm going to go, what I'm going to call out of you, what I'm going to command you to do to follow me. He speaks directly to the insecurity of the guy. I'll follow you anywhere. Well, I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. And it's not that Jesus was poor and penniless and, you know, couldn't use Jedi mind tricks and just get a free bed for the night. That's a joke. We're really tired. Thought it was a better joke than it was, but some of y'all need to watch Star Wars. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not that. It's that the mission he would lead his people to and his disciples to, he knew was going to cost them more than anything they were willing to pay. He looks at the guy and he says, I don't even know where I'm going to lay my head. And in a couple years' time, I'm going to be hanging on a cross and people are going to be looking at my disciples and saying, you're with him and you're next. And bro, you're not even ready to go where I'm telling you to go yet. That's rough, right? That's rough. I'm going to be honest. I don't like outdoors. I hate the outdoors. That's why I live in TR, I guess. It's a bad choice. Don't enjoy camping. And I'll tell you why, because I went one time, twice actually. The first time I woke up cold and wet and very tired. The second time I woke up cold and wet and very tired. And I thought, I like beds more than this. Now, all of you outdoorsmen who are sitting right now, you're thinking, well, he hadn't been camping correctly yet. I've heard that. No, it doesn't work. Just don't like it. I'd have a hard time in this moment. That would be tough for me. But you know what? I'm not the first guy. I'm the second guy in this story. I'm not the one who jumps in too quickly. I'm the one who is too scared and slow and misses the boat altogether. Here's what I would do. The second man, after Jesus just absolutely savagely destroys the first guy, the second one comes up. He's like, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. His mentality is this. He heard this exchange between the guy, the follower, and Jesus, and he looks at me, he's like, hey, um, all that I'm with you on, man. Like, I heard what you said to that guy. I'm cool with that. I don't need a, head, a place to lay my head. I'm good. He goes, but I got this other thing. I got, like, I'm cool with that guy's struggle. That's not an issue, but I got this other thing I need to do. It's like, hey, I'm, 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 good, with, I'm good with man A's suffering. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you, but, but I've got this other thing. Now, here's the problem. This is why reading Scripture and understanding it's important. Um, actually, let me back up before, before we get there. Here's, here's what this guy is saying. Um, he's saying that the first guy's struggle in following Jesus isn't a problem to him. He's better than it. 
But his struggle is just as important. It's more important even. Saying that that guy's sin, that guy's issue, that guy's failure, I'm, I'm not a problem with that. My, my thing is, I've got this really understandable thing that I need to do. Like he tells Jesus, listen, I, I'll follow you anywhere. I just got to bury my dad. That seems like a pretty important thing, right? Like if, if, you're, if your dad is dying at home, you're like, hey, I want to go, but I need to take care of my dad first. That's an understandable quality. Right. With that. But here's the problem. The guy's dad isn't dead yet. It's, it's not that he's saying, hey, I'll follow you anywhere, but my dad is like currently probably dead at home and I need to go bury him, so let me handle that real quick and then I'll go and then I'll follow you and it's not a problem. That's not what's actually happening. What's happening is that his dad is in such good or okay health that he feels okay to be away from his family and following Jesus. And so he says, hey, I'm in to follow you, but I need a while until my dad's dead so I can bury him, take care of everything I need to take care of, get my inheritance, and then I'll go with you. See, that's the shift, right? The, the second guy doesn't have a problem with going wherever Jesus wants. That's, that's fine. That's not, not a problem with him. His problem is his comfort is not facilitated to him yet. And he said, listen, um, I'm good with that. I just need to go home and live on my farm till my dad croaks and I can get all the money for me. And I can look good to everybody because there's a huge cultural expectation that as the eldest son, you had to take care of your father and your mother, but especially when they pass away, you have to take care of all they own. And so literally what this guy does, he tells Jesus, hey, I'm okay with going anywhere to follow you, but first, I need a few years to get everything figured out. But first, I need to get my inheritance. But first, I need to have what I'm supposed to have, and then I'll come follow you. But here's what we do, guys. We do the same thing. See, we think that being above someone else's struggle makes the reality of our struggle less important, or less important to deal with, at least. How often in churches... And listen, I'm not saying that our church, I'm in big C churches, how often in Christendom even, do you hear people say, well, I don't struggle with that? Anybody heard that before? Dude, we are so good at painting people by their sin instead of by their salvation. And we say, look, well, did you hear what Betty Lou, I use Betty Lou because she ain't here, um, did you hear what Betty Lou said? Unbelievable. How dare she? But this is the same thing Jesus talks about. He says, listen, you're trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye, and you got to log in your own. This is what the second guy is doing. He's going, hey, I don't mind that, dude, because what I'm dealing with is more important. It's valid. And so we paint people by their sin. Okay, I'm good with that guy's suffering. It ain't me. Mine's not as bad. And the problem, the problem with this is, is that Jesus is not looking and saying, hey, I want enough of you. He's saying, hey, I want all of you. I, I don't, he doesn't want a little piece of you. He doesn't want just enough to where you say, hey, my life is together and I'll throw some Jesus in and everything will be good. That's not what he wants. He says he wants 
all of you. He says, listen, you don't have a place to sleep if you follow me. Listen, you need to let your dad be buried by the dead. That's his response. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. What would you do if someone looked at you and said, hey, don't worry about your dead dad. Just come on. Listen, we don't even like to like to take off a few hours out of our schedule that we could be watching Netflix or because Jesus says so. And Jesus says, listen, let the dead bury their dead. Like what we have is more important. And I have this weird picture thing up here. Oh, I can't even do it. There's no uh, food coloring. Never mind. It's all right. Actually, go get it for me, Mikey. I think it's pretty, <laughs> I think it's pretty clean. Oh, is it over here? Too many moving parts. It is right here. I got it, Jeff. Thank you. Here, here's what we do. All right? We take this thing right here. We fill it up. We say, this is us. Pure, beautiful, clean. Look at that. Who's thirsty? Anybody? It's clean water. Greenville, the best. Do you think differently? You're wrong. So I got, I got this life right here. Everything's clean, perfect, beautiful. Like, oh, no, I need a little Jesus. So we're like, hey, well, here's, here's church. Let's go to church a little bit. That'll be fun. Oh, oh, you're going to go to the mentor tree. That's fun. Great. Oh, you give? Perfect. Perfect. There we go. Oh, your kids come to Trail Kids, and they actually study the memory verse. Isn't that wonderful? Like, oh, I'm, I'm nice to people. I don't cuss at people on Woodruff Road every day. Some days. Right? Try to be kind to people we see. We say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. <laughs> right? We do these things and we say, well, our, our hope is that if we have our life and we just sprinkle a little Jesus in there, like it'll be, oh, look, changed, right? It'll be good enough. Kind of. Sort of. And we take this and we go up to Jesus. We're like, hey, um, I'm willing to do those things. I just, I just need to fix a few things first. Like, uh, you know, um, hey, I'm going to follow you, but, you know, I got I to gotta rearrange some things in my life first, and I'll, I'll come to church, and then I'll make sure everything's okay, and that'll be good enough. Or we say, well, grace is sufficient, so I'll just do what I want and ask for forgiveness, and God will be okay. But, but this isn't what Jesus wants out of you. Jesus instead wants to take who you are or who he is, And he wants to add you to it so that everything automatically changes. And it's a much more beautiful picture of who Jesus is. Like, like this is the difference. We try to make our really pretty life match with Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, leave all that behind and follow me instead because this is what I have for you. You don't need to go bury your father. You don't need to wait. You don't need to slow. You need to do it now. And we, we miss that because, guys, in Southern culture, church, we try to present our lives as these very full, beautiful things that have just enough Jesus so that it'll kind of look like it. I put too much in that. I'm sorry. <laughs> All you haters, I know what you're saying. And, and, but we try to live these very full, beautiful lives so that we can sprinkle some Jesus in and it'll kind of look like what it means to follow Jesus. But the problem is, that's not what Jesus wants from you. And so at church, we place our few drops and we just kind of hope it's going to be good enough. We hope we're going to look Christian enough. 
We vote Republican because that's what the SBC says to do. Joke. Okay, it's a joke, guys. Easy. Don't make me lose a 501c3. They'll burn the place down. But, but here's, here's the deal. Jesus looks at it and he says, it could be so much more. What I want for you is so much more. Stop worrying about things like your father dying in 10 years on a farm and come and live in the fullness of what I've called you to. That's what Jesus says to this guy. But y'all, you know what we do? We want to be comfortable. We want to be safe. I, I don't know about you guys. Safe Christianity? I can't do it anymore. Not going to do it. If you want to come to church and be safe and hide in the background and be safe, this is not the place. I will send you and I will love you and I will help you get to the right place. But we cannot live a safe Christianity. We, We can't. Following Jesus isn't safe. Following Jesus isn't clean. It's kind of messy. Because we are called to be together with him, to follow him, and to be together with each other. And that scares people. Because that also means people have to know the not-so-good parts of you. See, what, he was, what the second guy was asking wasn't at all, let me go handle this important thing. He's saying, let me get my comforts, let me take care of what the culture says, and then I'll follow you. In verse 22, Jesus gives two action steps. Very simple statement. He says, follow me. Follow me and leave everything else behind. Listen, we're not doing this series. I I don't want you to come to church and just kind of sprinkle some Jesus in your life. I don't want that. It's not healthy. It's not good for you. It doesn't change lives. It doesn't change who you are at the core of who you are. You're just taking your best efforts and throwing some Jesus on there. And so you can say you go to church somewhere and that you pray a lot and people think, wow, he's a great guy. If you come, listen, you say that here at Trailside, we might ordain you. I don't know. (laughs) Never, it's a joke. Just kidding. Love you. No, but that's what our culture says. It's that we're just going to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in our life jar and hope it's good enough. And that's not what Jesus says. Jesus' response, he doesn't cut the two down. He just says, follow me and leave everything else behind. That's it. Follow me and leave everything else behind. When he says, let the dead bury their own dead, he's not saying, don't care about your father. He's saying, love me and follow me so much and so closely that what you will get out of other people doesn't matter anymore. Wouldn't it be nice if you could walk around every day and not worry if people had an agenda behind loving you? I realize I'm painting kind of this beautiful utopian picture, but Jesus says all that important is that we follow him. Because here's what happens when we have our pretty jar and we sprinkle our Jesus in, we, we try to look at the world through that lens and we say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live my life and do what I need to do. And then I'm going to try to live kind of for Jesus a little bit and hope it all works out. And here's what that leads to, guys. 
It leads to spiritual friction. Because what you're living and what you're saying doesn't line up until you feel like a fraud or incomplete or frustrated. But this is why Jesus says to follow him and leave all that behind because when we understand first who Jesus is and we allow him to change who we are and then we view what the world is through that lens, it's counter to all of that. In fact, it leads to spiritual growth and peace. But I got news. It also leads to cultural friction. For this young man to leave with his father still alive would have meant that he would let down what culture says he needs to be. You guys follow me on that? Or are, we, are you with me this morning? Like for him to actually do what Jesus said meant that he would actually have to let humans down and what they thought he should do. But when Jesus says, follow me, and leave all that behind. He's doing it for your good and your growth and your eternity. Because here's what happens. It causes you to live differently. It causes you to serve differently. It causes you to love your spouse differently. It causes you to love your children differently. It causes you to love your friends differently. It causes you to change how you spend. It causes you to change how you spend your time. It causes you to change what you care about. It causes you to look at things that pop up on the the TV and you're like, "Mm, maybe this isn't great for me in my marriage. I don't know. Maybe my wife doesn't need to come out and find me watching National Lampoon. That's just a movie that came out, I don't know, sorry. Fill it in with whatever you want. But it's not morality. It's not a level of follow rules. It's that you love Jesus and follow him that you see the rest of the world through that. It's that things like bearing your father aren't as important when they come in the scope of following Jesus. And church, I don't know, man. We're just trying to get this thing right. That's all we're, all we're trying to do. We're just trying to figure out what it means to actually be better together, to actually follow Jesus well. And I can't tell you what that means for you. I can't tell you what that means for your marriage or your friendships or relationships or the deepest, darkest parts of your brain that everyone's terrified of. I can't can't tell you that. You're not going to come here and hear me say, hey, vote like this, think like this, and do this, and Jesus will love you more, because that's not reality. That's us just putting Jesus in the little can and going, here's our best. What we want to do in this series and talking about being better together is we want to find a way to follow Jesus so closely that the rest of the world and concerns melt away because nothing is as important as being in the dust of our teacher. So, church, if Jesus is saying follow him, stop making excuses. We have to. We have to, and you have to. Because if we don't, nothing changes. If we don't, you are going to live in a spiritual friction of trying to be good enough and trying to do what everyone else will be appeased to, and you're always going to wonder why it doesn't feel full. Eventually, you're going to think maybe it doesn't matter. 
But when Jesus says, follow me, he doesn't say, follow me and I'll make your life great. He doesn't say, follow me and I'll fix this thing. Follow me and I'll remove disease. Follow me and I'll answer all your questions. Follow me and everyone will love you. It just happens when you look like me. But um, just kidding. Opposite. He's saying, follow me and I'll care for you. He's saying, follow me and the things like what you think you need will fall away. Follow me and you won't have to worry about where you lay your head at night. Follow me and you don't have to worry about who takes care of your father. See, when he tells that first man, I don't know where I'm laying my head, he's not saying, hey, you don't get it. He's saying, listen, you need to know that that is going to be something you don't have to worry about because you're with me and I will take care of you. So church, as we dive into this series better together, my encouragement to you is that it's got to start with Jesus first. It's got to. Because if it doesn't, everything's going to fall. Because you're going to try to build your kingdom and put a little bit of Jesus in it. You're going to try to build your life and make it just spiritual enough that maybe when you get to heaven, he'll say yes. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is, follow me. And everything else, every relationship you have, every person at work who bugs the heck out of you and you wish would go away just because they annoy you or, you know, maybe they just need some gum. I don't know. You live your life, not me. We're not with us this morning. It's all right. It's all right. Everybody's asleep. Um, how we view our wives, men, guys, fellas, how, we, how you view your wife will change if it's through the scope of Jesus first. Wives, how you view your husbands will change if it's through the scope of Jesus first. Parents, how you view your children will change if it's through the scope of Jesus first. Those who are dating or considering it or are single and figuring out why they aren't yet married, because how you view yourself through the scope of Jesus needs to happen first. You can't be better together if you're not okay here. And that happens when you follow Jesus and you leave what culture and this world that is messed up and broken says you are behind. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that it's true that you um, love us, that you care for us. And God, that your qualifier of the gospel isn't that we do all these things correctly and make life pretty and that we live the way we've always lived and hope that it's good enough for you. That, that's not what it is you call us to. Instead, Father, your call for us is to put down all the things that would get in the way. To stop worrying about things like where we'll lie down and put our head or who will take care of our cultural needs 
where our food and things are going to come from. It's, it's, it's not that those don't matter, but it's instead that we're supposed to trust you with them and that you are good and you don't leave us or forsake us to figure it out all by ourselves. And so, Lord, I just pray. God, I pray for our church. I pray for our city. I pray for the other churches in our city who are meeting where your gospel is hopefully probably being preached. But Lord, I pray for us too that we would not disqualify our following of you. That we would stop saying no to you. That we would stop saying, that sounds great, but I got to do this first. That, that all of the things that hit us in our culture and our time and just in real life, that those wouldn't command our attention and our devotion, but that you would. And that when we follow and love you well, that we would trust that you're taking care of those things. So Father, help us this morning to be more like you and less like us. Help us to find ourselves where you are. Help us to find all we need at your feet. And God, I just pray, help, help us to find ourselves there as well. At the feet of our loving Father who keeps us secure, loves us, and cares for us. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message and you feel closer to Christ than you ever have before. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit us in person, or help support our mission as we seek to love Jesus, serve others, and live unified, check us out online at trailside.church, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks so much for listening, and we can't wait to see you again soon.